Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again by my severed, shrunken, leathery head and sweater. That is the best description you've ever given of Alex Dandino, and I did just refer to myself in the third person. Alex Dandino! He's not a person, he's a construct of my broken psychology. Truth. <laughs> all right, guys, welcome back. As you know, we've uh, crushed through all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Now we're on to crush every Friday the 13th movie. So, hopefully you guys listen to Friday Part 1. Such a better film than I think it's often remembered as. Very clever filmmaking. Now, I think the movie in the series that most needs to be refreshed in people's mind. Friday the 13th, part two. I actually think this movie is astounding. And I think it gets washed in as, oh, it's the burlap sack one. Which I agree. Visually, not a good Jason in this movie. But again, the filmmaking and the work they do to set the ground level of what Jason is, is really good. It's really good in this movie. And it's... It does what best sequels do, right? Which is it takes all the things we love about Friday 1, adds new elements, fluffs them out, and sets the table for a new fun adventure. Right. I I was really blown away by how much more I liked Friday 2. Because I usually put it down near the bottom of my list. But I was really impressed this time. What did you think, Alex? Uh, I'll be honest, man. I've not really spent a lot of time watching the sequels past this show. Um so this was actually the first time I'd seen part two. Um, really? Yeah, dude. Exciting. I, I, for absolutely no reason, skipped it. And I've seen part three before, uh, but and like most of the other ones. But this one, for some reason, just never floated across my... Uh, just never came up. Uh, part two, yeah. I thought, actually was really interesting. And actually does a lot more for me than I thought it would. Um it does a really good job of not falling into usual slasher territory. Like again, because I think Friday the 13th to me is probably, I mean, really kind of like what invented the, this version of the genre um, mm-hmm. of the subgenre of slasher films. So I oh, think, yeah. I think like it's interesting to watch it because you realize this is the first time a lot of these things happened. And a lot of these things were shot the way they were shot. So I, uh, I liked it, especially the ending. I love everything. Like, I think Jenny's probably one of my all-time favorite uh, Scream Queens. Yes. No, Jen- Jenny's fantastic in this movie. Jenny Fields probably it's, my it's, favorite Scream Queen, for sure. Yeah, no, she's really good. Um, I What I think, too, is this movie does a really good job. Again, so what this movie establishes is the Jason we saw at the end of Friday 1 was somewhat a real thing, right? Maybe not that form. What you'll realize in this one in part three is that Jason is still somewhat human in yeah. these. Especially this one. They actually just play him as kind of this hills have eyes, hillbilly mutant, right? You see him actually react in pain to things. He's not overly enormous. When he's wrestling with uh, the boyfriend at the end, he just looks like a normal guy. Yeah. It's hard once you get to like the Friday the 13th remake to imagine someone wrestling Jason to the ground. Right. right. You're like, oh, he's like a seven foot tall mountain this, of muscles. Like, yeah, this version of Jason looks like a guy who um, like is walking around Silver Lake right now. But um, <laughs> I love how the hillbilly 
uh, kind of Vogue has just been captured by someone. Hillbilly Vogue is definitely captured well by Jason Voorhees in this movie. <laughs> I'm sure soon the burlap I'm sure I'm sure the burlap sack helmet will be very popular soon. Yeah. <laughs> well what I like about the burlap sack takes a lot of shit because again it, it's just not very interesting. It has this town that dreads sundown look to it. Yeah. And obviously the hockey mask becomes so iconic. What I like about it is what it tells me psychologically about Jason is that here's this thing that lives in the woods, uh, watched its mother die. And it, this is the the hard part of the movie is they don't really explain to us if Jason returned from the grave or survived the drowning accident. And either way, why he never comes back to his mother. Never right? Which kind of hints that maybe he was brought back as his mother was about to be destroyed. My theory being, I kind of like the idea that Mrs. Voorhees, when she's screaming at the end of part one, yeah, and doesn't defend herself, that maybe she spots Jason behind Alice. Oh, okay. I could buy that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the theory I've come up with, is I that think, she sees him come back. I think Because he's I existed liked, only in her broken psyche. What if she saw him? I think what I like to think is that there is this sort of symbiotic relationship between the two Voorhees, because... You know, Pamela Voorhees is able to survive the grief of her child dying to the point where she will, like, take revenge on randos in the, uh, at Camp Crystal yeah. Lake. But as she's dying, he returns. Like, there, I, there's a nice little give and take, and there's a nice little... I think that's how you have to... I think that's how you have to lens it for yourself or phrase it for yourself because going forward, these things get so crazy that he comes back from. Right. You're like, I have to assume, like, there's some sort of... Because, like, it goes so far, like, again, like, Jason X is a great example. Like, getting further into it, they're like, oh, yes, he has regenerative capabilities. I'm like, all right, if we're just going to go sci-fi with it, that's your thing. Like, I like to think right. it is much more spiritual than it is science fiction for Jason Voorhees well, to I survive. Think exactly right. And I think these two movies work as a tandem apart from the rest of the Friday series, right? Right. Uh, they have the exact same style. They're very reliant on the POV to help. It, you, they use that as a way to deepen character. By part three, the POV's done. They're like, now Jason is our front and center rock star murderer, right, right. right? An iconic visual killing machine. And they fall more into the traps that they've created. This one is paired with a mother's grief, right, at the loss of her child and the concept that Grief becomes the undead, right? Not Jason himself. The grief that Mrs. Voorhees had is then transferred on through her acts to someone else, right? In this right. case, her her son, right? Because there's a way to look at it because he's still human in this one, essentially. Right. What if Jason survived that drowning incident and is just like, I'm even afraid to go back to my mother because I bring her so much yeah. sadness and harm and I make her life sad for her. Right. To think of a young child making that kind of a judgment call. And just surviving on his own, watching his mother fall apart from a distance and still thinking maybe that's the best thing. There's a lot of, again, it's not clean and I don't think you can fit it in, right, to where you can make it make sense. Right. But there's... The way that the way to look at it to me is is what adds the most depth to the Jason we see, right? And we see him, and I think the burlap sack hints at this, maybe he lived and didn't come back. Because imagine being this... This creature who lives on his own in the woods and still you wear a mask because it's bred into you that you should be ashamed of your own appearance. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that look says at the a lot about a monster, right? Because if right. he was just a killing machine, why wouldn't he want to display 
and be extra scary. He does right. hide. I mean, I would say even look at the ma- way the mask is like the mask has one eye hole. He's so ashamed of right. that other side of his face. Like that is yes. that is pure Quasimodo shit right there, man. Like that's like something else. Like that's yeah. a whole nother level. And that's why I feel like the burlap sack might get a lot of shit. Very unfair. Like what it really is, is it's a great visual metaphor for right. as we go further into this, how fucked up Jason Voorhees actually is. Right, because it doesn't tell you anything. Like, the hockey mask doesn't add anything to the character except for, fuck, that looks cool. Yeah. Which it undeniably does, right? It In gives this it marketing one, the burlap appeal. sack and Jason also wearing overalls and flannel shirts, right? Right. There's still this level of Jason wanting to be a part of us while being terrified and unable to join us, right? Right. That It's really an extra fascinating wrinkle. The part of the movie <laughs> – because this is the thing, I think this cold open is my favorite in the series. I love the opening sequence oh, it's with great. Alice. It's so good. It does set a terrible standard, right? Because I love it and hate it. Because I hate, the thing I hate about these first couple Fridays is, I hate that the first five minutes of two and three are replaying the endings of the previous movie, right? Right. That drives me fucking, in. I don't need Alice flashing back. And <laughs> it's not like flashing back to Jason jumping out of the water. We flash right. back eight times well they want you to you're like yeah this is like they want you to catch until we start i i I was trying to like figure out why they liked doing this because i've yeah i agree like two and three do the same thing and i'm like why are we doing this like why are we doing this like hey remember that thing that happened at the end of the last movie like why are we doing a recap like it's a fucking episode of tv and i i think what it has more to do with is it's trying to put you in the mind and i roll go with this here like i think it's trying to put you in the mindset of like it makes you alice it makes you jenny like that was what i think the value of doing that is is like it gives the viewer the eternal investment of being that person so when alice ends up getting a fucking ice pick to her temple in this movie like that is that is us we're like oh my god all the bets are off. She's not safe. We're not safe. What are we going to do? Like there's a whole psychology to it. I think that works, but again, I agree. Like it's not my favorite thing to go last time on Friday, the 13th, but (laughs) previously on children. No, I think what's cool. And and I, I agree with you on that. I mean, it has kind of a Stanley Marvel method thing. Yeah. We're like, well, what if it was a limited release and they needed to see it? Right. But what I like about it, Honestly, it's like if they had just cut it to, like, one flashback, maybe two. Sure. But, like, it just goes on so long. <laughs> what, I, what I like, though, is it's, it's bringing us in. And one of the shots of this opening, which is really good, right? Right. Is that we do the false POV. But it's not a normal Friday POV where it's, you know, kind of walking through the woods. It's a POV dolly push, right? We're pushing in. And when we do, Alice rips the curtain back. And she's just staring down the lens at us. Yeah. So now what we've done is this woman is traumatized by her flashbacks of grief. And now we've POV shot ourselves into her brain. Almost like we did with Mrs. Voorhees. Right. Right. And what's funny is that the next sequence of her walking through her house, although we've seen a guy outside with boots. Right. uh, Playing with like a very Georgie like Pennywise opening shot. Uh everything in her house right there's a cat that jumps in there's a sound there's a key a, a yeah. you know tea kettle every sound becomes terrifying to her and we're forced to live in alice's head for a moment of 
holy shit, could you imagine yeah. had you survived this? And she's out trying to make her way through the world and get past, but every fucking thing brings her back. Right. right? So I think that's the really cool part of the opening uh, is this this use of the POV now from Alice, like a victim POV. Sure. Is really a cool thing. What's And then obviously it ends on just this fucking insane where she opens the fridge and Mrs. Voorhees' shriveled head is in the fridge, gets murdered, but the shot that sealed it for me, why does Jason take the tea kettle off, man? That was that really actually freaked me the fuck out. So I was like, I don't understand the etiquette of that moment, but it was terrifying to me. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, what do you think about... I mean, do you think it's just a matter of not raising noise? Or do you think he was annoyed I, by I the sound? I think what it... Maybe that. Maybe it's just like a, you know, hey, I'll put an end to this. You know what I mean? Because Jason, obviously, as we see, loves people to find his handiwork. Right. I think if anything, he would put like four more kettles on and be like, oh, there's a real strange sound over here. You know, start blasting some kiss or something to try to get the neighbors over. <laughs> but, right. but yeah, it's just, yeah, it almost has like a finality to it, which is just no one's, really No one's more though. proud of their murders than Jason Voorhees in, the, in any series. <laughs> no, for sure. Maybe Jason is like, oh, dude, you got that green tea? Yeah. He's like, that was some hard work. <laughs> but there's also this giant missed opportunity because – Crystal Lake exists in New Jersey, fictionally, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I believe we're in San Francisco. Yeah. And I was like, I want that. I want the fan fiction film of Jason's cross-country journey to San Francisco in the burlap sack with his mother's head in his duffel. <laughs> I was like, there is a whole fucking movie there that is so insane. I can't believe we haven't broached this. Like, how is that not a comic book? Fuck. Just Jason trekking across hippie America, Rambo last blood style. There's for with his mom's head in his backpack. There's for sure a comic <laughs> book here of just like I mean that's like I'll write it. Call me guys. We'll do it. We'll yeah. do it. We we should totally do Isn't it. Isn't that in cause that's the thing, they just kind of play it off as like, yeah, Jason was able to track down an address, right? Read a phone book, catch a bus schedule. There's this whole world of things that Jason somehow had to do. And of course, like New Jersey to San Francisco, that's about as far as it can get. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, not like, like you wandered up to New York City for the weekend. I mean, like getting all I the way to I would love to see that section. Getting all the way to San Francisco, the hippie capital of the world. I mean, that's Oh god, dude. I really want to read Jason Voorhees' Hippie Killer now. Fuck. Yeah, you know what I mean? Jason takes the Castro instead of Manhattan. <laughs> this Jason like, "Ha!" And at the end it's just him versus Harvey Milk. Oh, that's fucked. Milk fucking destroys him. Oh yeah, milk just That would just, be awesome. That's that's the yeah. rewrite of history I want. Milk destroys Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Milk destroys Jason Voorhees goes on to be the hero America needed. Yeah, that's the that's that's the Tarantino historical rewrite I want to watch. <laughs> for sure. But just the fact that we just brush over that Jason cross country travels with his mom's dead head. Yeah. Crazy. And the fact that he's growing. He's growing. Yeah. He's getting that that's why I think he's actually a human still too, not a full zombie in this one. Yeah, I think that, yeah, he's not, again, like, he's not quite in the iconic costume yet. Like, I think that's what's interesting no. is, like, and I wonder if this is the case, too. I mean, tell me if you think this. Do you think that originally they thought that was going to be Jason? Or did they change it? I don't assume that they had any of this ready and that 
when night on Friday one came out, it was just this box office bonanza. Right. Oh fuck! Well, what do we do yeah. for two? Because like originally, and it was they be obviously else. had some forethought with the zombie Jason jumping out. Right. But do you I think, think it was supposed to be moment, Jason? Because he looks so radically different visually. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be. Because he's still deformed a little. I think what it is is they took the concept of, and again, there's no clean way to make this work, right? Yeah. That Jason shows up as the kid at the end and then grows into the man. And if he was alive, why didn't he see mom? I think they were just like, well, we have Jason Voorhees. This makes sense. And they struck gold with the image of his altar to his mother. Yeah. It's just one of those horror movie things that just, oh, my God. It was awesome. It was awesome. When you when you see that, that's just one of those chilling things because they talk about this too. This is something that went back to you know Frankenstein and Dracula. There's we on a genetic level, right, an evolutionary level, we understand dead things bad, right, right, yeah. Don't be by dead rotting things. It's just bad for our health, disease, whatever. So there's this level of watching it, like look at the love and care that is shown here, but also, oh my God, he went and got her head, yeah. And has been praying to it. And the smell. And wait, did he strip his mother down? Did he, like, take his mother's clothes? Like, oh. it's, this, it's this whole thing of just the horror show of what is happening. Right. It, it's, but it's, and that's the thing about the image which works so well is it's done in reverence and love and loneliness, right? Yeah. I mean, that's. But it's so vile. It's such a desecration of his mother, but done with the love of a child. I mean, it's. It's one of those images you're like, you could just write a whole book about that image. You know? Like, it says so much to our, our psyches and hearts. Sure. Ugh. Well, Ugh. yeah. I mean, like, that, that image always yeah, gets there's me. A, there's an entire, I mean, there's a whole self-help section of books about this concept. Like, <laughs> I mean, to me, like, again, like I said this on the last show, like, Jason Voorhees might be one of the more, tra- probably, like, the most tragic villain figure I've ever, like, witnessed. Like, especially on this yeah. viewing of the Friday the 13th movies, like, it's so sad. Like he just, he loves his mother, his mother who was devoted to him to the point where like he died and, or didn't die. uh, Who knows at this point, but like to the point where she was in a situation where she killed for him even after death. Like it wasn't even like in a revenge situation. She literally did it in this manic depression of, I don't have a child anymore. The people who I hold myself responsible, but the only way I can reflect that into the real world is to hold the people who did not protect my son accountable for protect for not protecting my son. Like there's something so profoundly depressing about that. And then for Jason to come back and be like, well, I have her head. I have to like carry out her life's work. Like really, that's like kind of what this is. It's very weird. It's bizarre. Well, it what it does too visually is it turns the onus on to Mrs. Voorhees, right? Yeah. This is Jason interpreting her mission. Cuz like you said, her mission is revenge against the people who didn't protect her son. <laughs> that should include herself. Totally. Absolutely. Right? So she her own head while on this altar of love becomes also this giant red flag of oh yeah this whole motivation is wrong it's a everything about this is wrong it's and to see this child try to wrestle with that is fascinating it's pretty cool i mean like not like in the sense of like oh that's cool but more just like it's a deep it's a deeper psychological story than i think a lot of people give it credit for particularly part two because again you have a character like jenny and this might be one of the first times that 
they did this where Jenny is like like learning child psychiatry and that kind of shit. Like Jenny's right. not just like, oh, it's a camp counselor trying to fuck. Like it's literally someone who is curious about what's going on inside the mind of someone who is essentially controlled by not the, their mother, but like the memory of their mother. There's a lot going on psycho- psychology wise that I don't think a lot of people give this movie credit for. Right. Well, they even stop. I mean, in the weird scene of the movie is a bunch of kids go to the bar to drink and party and don't get killed. Right. Uh, very, again, anti-Friday. But what happens in this is she's sitting there in the bar and instead of just drinking and partying, she wants to put herself in that headset. Yeah. You know, her headspace saying, imagine what this man would look like after all he's been through and being shunned by society. And this. So by the time that we've seen his cabin in the woods. We're looking at it from a sympathetic place, too, because her lens as the last girl is that of sympathy in a way. Right. Here's a question I had, right? Besides, why the fuck is Crazy Ralph still riding around on this bike? Like, don't doesn't someone have, like, a rocking chair they can put him on a front porch and help his ass out? Why is it that the cops are constantly but letting it, Crazy Ralph roll, roll, roll around? Don't get it. But not only that, doesn't this movie, when you see Crazy Ralph again and he starts doing his crazy routine... Isn't this the time where you're like, you know what? Maybe Ralph is very heroic. Instead of just the well, crazy yeah. doomsayer in this one, he almost has a like, I tried, I tried. Oh, no, I think the reason it. Crazy it's Ralph's really feud weird. is crazy because, again, like this is like the great, I, this is like one of those great like little writing story bits I always love is like people who are viewed as crazy always end up being the people who are trying to help and tell the truth and save the, save the world. Like, yeah, it's that same notion of like, oh, everyone thinks I'm out of my mind. But like, look who got proven correct. It's like, well, that's crazy. Ralph in a nutshell. Crazy Ralph saw something terrible happen right. when he was younger. And he's like, I know something bad will come of this. And he tried to tell them he tried to explain it. And no one would you listen. You know what's really sad about crazy Ralph? There's a there's an almost throwaway shot. Right. When. uh, Oh, God. What's the girl's Jenny? Jenny's getting uh, her robe on. Right. Right. So she's in her bra getting a robe on a classically vulnerable Friday monster moment, right? She hears a sound. Uh, we cut to outside. A shadow walks past her door. Uh, it then ends in a jump scare with her own boyfriend, right? The counsel- yeah. the head counselor. Dude. Yeah, yeah. The shadow is clearly Ralph, though. It has his little hat. If you go back and look at the shadow, not only is Ralph telling them, please don't do this and get out. Right. Maybe not. He's not the best messenger. Right. He's a little traumatized and, right. you know, mentally not all there. He's at the camp, perhaps trying to protect them. Right. Well, uh, I mean, and this... in that course, gets himself destroyed. Right. So... Ralph actually ends up having this very heroic arc. <laughs> Ralph tried, man. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like Ralph is at the camp seemingly trying to help out. Why else would he be there? Again, he's a great. I don't think Ralph's just there as a pervert and then gets killed. I feel like Ralph and that old guy from the Home Alone movie are the two like most misunderstood characters in movies where they end up being scary German guy from Monster Squad. (laughs) They they end up being complete and utter heroes that no one no one marks until the very end. Like and I mean, this happens at the beginning of the fucking movie. Until you realize the guy in Home Alone. Uh, used to take that salt shovel to his son. That's why they're estranged. <laughs> well, there's always that. But, uh, you know, that's a fanfic yeah. for a different there's time. There's a little hidden child abuse, but, you know, we'll do that on the Home Alone pod. Don't worry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I like I like this movie a lot, man. And, again, I don't think the kills are spectacular in this one. I don't think Jason's spectacular, but I think it's 
the fact that like here's something they did in this movie which is fascinating right here are two really cool jason additions they did one isn't it obviously jason who cuts that log and tries to block the road to the camp oh i thought it would have been crazy ralph we see we see his pov yeah when they're doing it right this is the jason pov mm -hmm. is that girl's like it's spooky out here i'll wander into the woods <laughs> right classic 80s stuff and he doesn't lunge out and immediately kill her yeah. it almost gives jason this guys please don't make me do this right yeah well jason is clearly the one who cuts the log because it cuts to his pov shot afterwards he wants to be left alone i think that's like the thing that jason uh, again it's another example of what makes jason so tragic because he's just he's a guy who wants to be left alone he's been through enough and he doesn't want to have to yeah. deal with it anymore and i think that's what i like the most about jason Voorhees is that he's the he's honestly after watching these movies he's a very reluctant killer he doesn't want to do this right. but as soon as people invade his space is when his mother starts speaking to him again like i think that's probably the most it's the, it's the Shrek storyline. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> but that's exactly what it is. Like, don't. It's like yeah. it's it's poking the bear. There's a place up there, road called. He never goes into Camp Crystal Lake to kill. No. Like, he, there's a place up yeah. the road called Camp Blood. All right, we'll go hang out. Well, fuck you. You totally deserve it then. Like, yeah. that that is, I think, the yeah. tragedy you of Jason Voorhees. come into his domain. Tra Jason yeah. Voorhees is wildly no, it, misunderstood. It's true, though. Leave him alone. But imagine this is what I mean though the 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 psychological profile if you will of Jason in this movie is wildly different. Yes. Right? He's trying to keep them out by sawing the log. He watches them saying like please and they she even finds the Camp Crystal Lake sign. Right. That they know means Camp Blood, which you assume Jason put there cuz it's not right by the camp to say guys, I'm giving you all these clues, please get the fuck out of here. Right? So you have a Jason trying to keep people out. Right. trying to cover himself with the burlap sack, trying to wear normal clothes and just live in the woods and, you know, have I mean, a relationship with what's left of his mom. Right. As creepy as it all is by the end, he's, a re again, he's trying I in his own is... way. And then you cut to the campfire story and you just see these kids saying, oh, I'll make up this legend about a bloodthirsty Jason who can't wait to activate himself and eat our young flesh. Right. That's not him. And at the end, when he jumps out in the mask with the spear, like, they force Jason into that role. That's I mean, not the role Jason's wanting to play. I think this goes back to This goes back to last show when we talked about, when I was, say, I was saying, like, this feels very much like Norman Bates and his mother. Like, there's nothing about this that isn't yeah. almost exactly the same. Like, Jason does not want to kill. Jason does not want to have to do these things. What he does is he listens to his mother and his the version of his mother in his head is someone who's clearly very vengeful and very spiteful. And I mean, whether or not you believe that yeah. was, you know, imparted to him when he was alive, quote unquote. But nevertheless, yeah. the psychology is still there. And the uh, the idea that your mother controls you in that sense is still very relevant, especially for Jason Voorhees throughout the series, but particularly in this movie. Right. Yeah. Very sad no, that Jason I mean, Voorhees. Yeah, they really nailed down that, right, is that he just – he that was all he had yeah. was just his mom. The other thing they do, which I like, is the first couple POV shots where we get the kick, 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 ma, ma, ma. They don't do the ma, ma, ma as much. I think it's just kick, kick, kick. Yeah. Kick, kick, kick. Because now it's just him. It's not him asking his mom. Now uh, he's in charge, you, right? Yeah, it's call it's and response. It's just little sure. clever stuff like that, man, that I, I dig, man. I, I thought this was really well done. Um, 
again, and, and the final showdown at Jason's so cabin. good. It, I mean, it's just horror movie perfection to me because that's the kind of stuff that we, we now have this psychological layout of this kid who's been traumatized by something he couldn't control in his own life more than once. Creepy alter to mom. When Jenny goes full psychology on him, though, and she has the wherewithal, he's coming to put the fucking sweater on. Ugh. Holy shit, man. That is that was brilliant. Yeah. That is a brilliant. That's why Jenny's my favorite uh, final concept. girl, man. Jenny has Jenny's the best final girl because she tries to not what she tries to do is she's not trying to survive. She's trying to help. Like, that's the kind of thing I like the most about Jenny is. Jenny's survival instinct is not to just like stab the guy and get the upper hand. Her survival instinct is to use her brain and actually like think it through. Like this guy clearly listens to an ulterior force. Like there's a head sitting right here on a shrine. Clearly this is an important person. I'm going to try to make this work. Like, and that scene too is so fucking cool where she's like saying like, how does she know the words to say? Like, that's fucking awesome, man. Like there's some cool shit because going on. She spent the time running it through. Like, but this is what I mean, right? The the more human Jason, the more merciful he's just this kind of lost child. Right. When he kneels in front of her Oof. and he just looks up with that one eye through the burlap sack. Yeah. That's the whole movie to me. That's it. That's the whole I mean, that that level of emotional storytelling in this kind of a movie. I mean, we really don't get back there for almost the rest of the series, right? Like, it, it's just such a touching moment that it's just because of the sweater and the voice, he's so delusional and so desperately wants this to be true that he's completely stopped from his killing machine ways. I mean, if only he it's, had... Oh, man, that, that whole moment is amazing. Oh, it's... I mean, it's just... Like... There's just something about that whole entire scene. Again, like, it's just so fucking different from every every other... Past this one, it really does become, like, your generic slasher flick for me. But, like, this particularly has such a fascinating appeal because, again, like, she just doesn't function the way other final girls do. And this is something that I really enjoy about this movie is that, again, the wherewithal to put on that sweater might be one of the A, grossest, B, coolest moments in any of these movies. Because, like... That, that sweater, right. who knows what's on that sweater, by the way. Just saying. Oh, not good. No. Not good. Not good. <laughs> For sure. Well, what I like about it, too, is the build-up to this is, again, this is another one of these, it lasts a long time, the kind of final showdown in fighting. When Alice is running, or not Alice, uh, Jenny. Jenny's running through the woods, mm-hmm. it has this very Wonderland quality, right? The way they shot her running and running and running and cuts to the moon and the music, it has this leaving reality right. kind of mindset right where we're we're uncoupling her from the classic you know crystal lake thing that we've done and we're sending her out into jason's world his mind right you know the wonderland quality of how they shot that part really helps the payoff at the end too um i do have to say there are some honorable mention kills that i forgot this has one of my all-time favorite friday kills which was the wheelchair guy that kill is <laughs> fucking brutal it's, that was brutal. It's pretty intense, man. Like I, I, I mean, honestly, I'd yeah. more say it's it's a feat of uh, it's a feat of amazing makeup for one. Like I fucking love that kill. Like it's. Well, I remember reading about it. How hard it was. Like, do you know how hard it is to get a wheelchair to roll down all those stairs backwards with someone in it? Right. Well, not only that. Like also, I was like, I'm glad you did. I'm also, you just did. um, the sound effect 
of the machete hitting uh, his head is yeah one of my favorite. Like it's not like a or anything like that. It's literally just like a like a thud. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Man. No, it's it's amazing because this that was a really good kill. I like one of my favorite things in Fridays is when they give something. They usually will give one thing to a character, right? This is what establishes them, and this is how we know who they are. So his thing is the wheelchair, obviously, right? right. But he's not some classic, you know, oh, I like a Franklin, right? In Texas Chainsaw, he's just complaining about, my life's hard. Ah. Right, yeah. Although that's exactly how I would be if that was my lot as well. So not like I'm here judging, like, be tough, because I'm not. But I like that he's this powerful, like, dude, I'm going to walk again. I'm here, man. Fuck you. I'm, I'm out here. I'm going to be a camp counselor. Oh, yeah. You know, it seems like the worst job ever for the, him in this movie. He gets around but fine. they even give him, him and the girl are going to play a game, and she, what do you want to play for? Position. Nice. That line struck me. I was like, is that rude to our wheelchair friend? I mean, no. Perhaps let him pick the position, right? Well, maybe it's a little... Uh... Let him be in charge of the position. Little, picking. Maybe it's trying to be a little playful. Sexual. Fo- I like the foreplay. It's very, it's very taunty. A little foreplay. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was like, at the end of the day, even if you beat him in Tecmo Bowl or whatever, be nice. Let him pick. Let him pick the position. But yeah, that kill's fantastic. I also love the the spear through the two kids when they're having sex. Oh, that's iconic, man. Like, there's stuff like oh, that. Like, that shot is awesome. Like, that's the kind of thing that, like, they've, like, tried and failed repeating on multiple occasions in movies where it's just, like, the double kill like right? that. <laughs> like, that one is just, that's, that's, that's aces. Like, there's no way to get better than that because that was the first time I, I remember, that's the first time I remember seeing that. And, again, yeah. Again, that is like one of those like really great moments where you're just like, yeah, there it is. Like I know they tried to do it it's, a couple of different times. It's something times. very simple but really creative as well. Yeah, that's when Fridays at the best. Simple, simply creative, right? I mean, those are always the best Friday kills to me. Again, like necessity is the mother of invention, and I think when you're rolling around with 1.2 million, this is pretty much you know that's the best you can do, and that's also the best you should be doing. It's pretty rad, and it's great. It's fucking great. All right, so at the end, we get uh, Jason's showdown. They wrestle. She machetes his shoulder. He stabs her. They get back to the cabin. We see that Muffin wasn't the mangled dog. That was a surprisingly nice uh, scene for me. That was nice. I was super happy to see Muffin alive. Uh, again, they strike gold again. Jason leaping through that window. Awesome. All fucking gnarly hillbillied up. It was great. And dragging Jenny through the window. Awesome. But fucking outstanding work. But again, <laughs> it's all a flashback. These kids are crazy. Am I right? Just cut to a cop out of their mind. I this is the worst thing that happened to these two movies. The big strike, right? Why they can't be a movies yeah. is because you give me five minutes of the last movie and then you give me this return of the king extra endings that I don't need. <laughs> Again, just end on Jason dragging her out the window and cut to your still frame of right. the altar. I feel That's all you need. I feel like if that was the ultimate, like if that was the end all be all of all these movies, like where someone like his last his last like respite is dragging someone out by like their hair or some crazy shit like that to me. Those are award. Those are award winning endings right there. But then like, yeah, this is the thing with the they, punctuation. They added it's no this good. detail. No, no, it's not. And again, don't make me question what I just saw. Yeah. This is a pretty straightforward that. fucking movie, except for the whole explanation of who Jason is, right? Right. But what they did is when they t- they fight Jason, his mask comes off. They don't show it. 
which seemed like a really weird choice as you're watching the movie. It's like, how are they not going to pay off the deformed face? Right. That seems like a pretty integral thing to pay off after the burlap sack and all that. This good character work they're doing. Yeah. And they just go, oh, Jesus. And they walk out, right? This is Jason. Oh, you didn't want my mask? You don't want me covered up and human-like? Fuck you! This is Jason erupting forth and completely sets the stage for this full maniac Jason who's like, fuck your society. I don't give a shit anymore. I have no restrictions. You tried to take my mom from me. I'm coming. Like, now I'm here. And it's just amazing that they found such a good image again. Oh, yeah. Again. And they just, they shit on it with the the flashbacks are just awful. And again, they do it in part three. They love this moment. It's just a fave, man. It's bad. It's real bad. But the ending is powerful. What I think I take away from this one, I like that they kind of remade the same movie but found so much new ground to cover. Yeah. And I love the depth that they add to Jason, which I think Jenny's an integral part of that, is our last girl. It's really a very clever and successful sequel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, rem- I think, again, we talk about reinventing the wheel a lot of the time or inventing the wheel in Friday the 13th's case. But, yeah, what they did was they took the formula that worked and they made it work again, but in a way that wasn't just like, well, all right, a bunch of kids go to the woods they fuck and they get killed like there's meaningful story going on throughout the throughout this whole thing and i i credit a lot of that to jenny i think jenny's a wonderful addition to this uh universe i'm sad that jenny did not uh continue as we'll get to part three but um nevertheless yeah well jenny being empathetic to begin with And the the decisions they made for Jason that seemingly allow us to have empathy with him before the slaughter starts is a really powerful combination. And again, it's something that Jason loses as the series goes on. Because right. uh, once he puts on the mask, it's over. Yeah. Now we are in just super murder machine, right? right. This, I'm just going to fucking destroy sinful children. But these first two movies coupled by themselves... I think just have an extra depth of character that you just do not see in a lot of these movies, right? right? Even something like Candyman, I think, has that same kind of really brilliant, tragic revenge tale. Right. But it they, they never manifest in Candyman's actions as much. You know, then it's just simple revenge and this and that. Right. It's not very human once he gets, you know, into ghost form. Right. But I think the Voorhees in these first two... It's a really brilliant mother and child, both kind of dealing with the same thing in different ways. Mrs. Voorhees seems to have no mercy. Jason still seemingly has room for mercy at the start. What if they would have just turned back when they saw that log? It's it's a fun experiment in your mind of what could have happened. And then part three says, fuck all that murder. <laughs> all right, guys, that's it uh, for the film Alchemist. And uh, Friday the 13th part two. We will return with Friday the 13th, part three, D, question mark. Uh, My DVD actually still has the uh, 3D glasses, so I can watch the 3D version anytime I want because I'm cool. So if you like the show, which we hope you do, keep joining us for the rest of Friday the 13th, all the other good horror movie stuff we're doing. Send us your suggestions for uh, movies that you want covered in December. No theme required. We're just here to stock your stuff and give you guys the gifts you want. Uh, stuff your stocking. What did I say? Stuff your stock. Uh, you said stock your stuffing? Yes. Whatever works for you guys. Wink. 
Uh, that's it, guys. Leave us a rating and review. Share us on your socials. We do appreciate it. We'll see you uh, as we return to Camp Crystal Lake tomorrow. Bye.